as we enter the new year, here is something urgent for us to do. Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 1, he writes, First of all, then, I urge. This is urgent, right? Paul has something that he's urging them to do. That means it's urgent. This is something that's needed. Something they must do. So Paul is, he's starting out a new chapter. Well, he didn't write in chapters, but we read it in chapters, right? He is... Off to the races on something that is very urgent, something we as Christians must do, something that was needed to be taught to. And actually, this letter is to to Timothy, and he is in Macedonia, in Ephesus, as we found in chapter 1, verse number 3. So he is, this is Timothy, Paul is telling Timothy, teach this to the Christians in Ephesus. And something that we should be taught also is that first of all, then I urge that prayers, excuse me, that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men for kings and all who are in in authority. So as we think today about the new year is here and things that we must do and things that are first priority and importance that we are urged to do, we're to pray. And we're not just called to pray because we, well, that makes sense. Christians are called to pray. We're to be communing and talking with God often, right? We're supposed to pray without ceasing. But here it is, we're reminded of something that's not a typical teaching that's everywhere throughout Scripture, but it is urgent that we pray for people who are in authority. Kings and all who are in authority. So, this urgent priority is to make these prayers. Prayers, petitions, entreaties. It's praying for on behalf of somebody. Pleading for somebody to God. It's going to God on someone's behalf and praying for them with a sense of urgency. And this is to be done for our leaders. So, all of our leaders are to be prayed for. In the time that Timothy was written to, that Paul wrote to him, uh, there was a certain leader in charge. He was the Roman emperor, and the Roman emperors were not very well known for being kind. Especially not being kind to Christians. They didn't always have pure and good motives. They didn't, they didn't seem to be godly men. But even pray for them. Entreaties, prayers, and petitions for our leaders. So we've got all kinds of leaders that can be included in this. So for all who are in authority... And notice this makes, this puts it in, even in that secular sense, the leaders of our country, from the president to the vice president, to all those who are in, in Congress, down in the, in the state level, we should be praying for our leaders who are down in, uh, I wanted to say Lexington, and that's wrong, the, uh, oh forgive me, people from Kentucky, the capital of Kentucky. Frankfurt, thank you. Down in Frankfurt, 
Um, pray for me also today. <laughs> for those of us who live in Ohio, pray for those who are in that city up there. Columbus. I got one 50% right today, right? Pray for them. And then on down to our local level, you know, we've got all kinds of leaders who, uh, in, in the local things, those are things that affect us so very much. The leadership of this city here in Covington or whatever city you live in. The direction of those leaders that they can change the way things are going. They have a great impact on our lives. God calls us to pray for all of those people. And you consider even when you go to work. You have people in authority there that you can be praying for. Pray for them. This is very specific. It says pray, prayers and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men for all who are all kings and all who are in authority. Every one of them. Pray for them. This is urgent. You know, and this is a funny thing to be, you know, here it is, first day of the, the new year. What kind of an encouraging message for us all through, that we carry with us all through the year. This is it. This is a good one. Pray for all of those in authority. Everyone in your life who is in authority. Pray for them. I want to make a note too also, so the entreaties, prayers, and petitions, all those are kind of the same. They kind of entail the same thing. You're praying for this particular person, whatever way that prayer needs to go, you're praying for them. You have, you're praying to God on their behalf as God do something for them or help them in some way. Um, but then there's also the thanksgivings. Paul doesn't just leave it as prayers and entreaties, kind of praying for somebody, but also giving thanks for them. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving for those people who are in authority. Now, in this day and age, this is something that's very important because it tends to be that there is somebody who is in authority, and I'm thinking more of the, the national politics and maybe on down to local level, two parties. And usually we affiliate ourselves with one party or another. And when one person, when the other party is in power, we're like, oh, blah, 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 I like them, I don't like them. And then when, our, when the person we like gets in power, then we're like, oh, yay, they're doing so good. Thanks for them. But even the evil emperor, they are commanded to give thanks for him. So this is a reminder for us to check our attitude and as we're praying for somebody, we're also giving thanks for somebody and for what they do and perhaps for what they provide for us, even if we don't agree with them. Find a way to give thanks to God for that person or for what they are doing. More on that later. So why this urgent call to prayer? Why pray for those who are in authority? Why pray for your boss? Why pray, pray for the president? Why pray for the governor? Why pay, pray for the school board member? Why pray for those folks? And in verse number two, it gives us an answer. It says, for kings and all who are in authority, so that. Here's the reason why. It's clearly the reason why. Why pray for these people? Why give thanks for them? So that we 
may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. Pray for them. So there is, here is kind of the agenda. You want to pray for these people. So this is affecting, the, this, this reason why is going to affect what you're praying for. How you are praying for this person. Well, we're praying for them so that we can lead a tranquil and quiet life. So that we can have a life that is godly and holy. So we want to pray for our leaders. We want to pray for them to make wise and good decisions so that we can live out our lives in a quiet, good way. That we can please God in our lives. This is interesting because this, this tranquil and quiet life comes right after a command to Timothy. Look back in verse number 18. This command, excuse me, chapter 1, verse 18. So looking back a little bit. Paul told Timothy, I could, uh, This command I entrust to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you fight the good fight, keeping faith and a good conscience, uh, which some have rejected and suffered shipwreck. So, fighting the, the, the tranquil and quiet life is going to cons- coincide with fighting the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Pray to your leaders so that we can lead a quiet, tranquil life. Everything's nice and smooth and easy so that we can live godly lives and fight the good fight of faith. Life is still tough, but pray that we can have kind of this quiet, peaceful life where we can live out our life for Christ to the fullest. Let us live for Jesus filled with faith in everything that we do. So we pray for our boss that that might be possible. We pray for, for our teachers. We pray for our leaders in every, everything so that we might live a quiet life. Lord God, help them to make decisions and to act in such a way that we can be all who we need to be for you. So there's an urgency. So if you want it, whatever, if you do New Year's resolutions, not everybody does that. If you do things... Not even a resolution, but if you come into the New Year thinking, all right, here it is, it's time to do something better. If you come into the New Year, you want to live out the Christian life in a better way. You want to do something better for Christ. You have to include this as an urgent priority. First of all, I urge you then to pray for your leaders. Give thanks for them so that you can live a peaceful and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. So if you want to, whatever it is you want to do, start with prayer. And not with just prayer to God so that you can do what you want to do, but prayer for the leaders so then that they give you the quiet life so that you can do what you want to do for Christ. Pray for your leaders. So... There's, there's more to this then. Notice it in verse number 3. We move on. After, after giving the why, he gives more about the why. He says, this is good and acceptable. Now, the question is, well, what's good and acceptable? This is good and acceptable. Is he talking about the prayer? Is he talking about the peaceful and quiet life? And I kind of, I kind of think it can kind of go back to either one of those. This, the praying is good and acceptable, 
or the, the quiet, peaceful life, that's good and acceptable. It's a very good thing. I think they kind of hit, come to the same point. So let's keep reading here. Verse number three again. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. God reveals his ultimate agenda here. God says this is good because I want everybody to be saved. I want everyone to know the truth. So therefore, I want you to be able to live this quiet, tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. Therefore, I want you to be praying so that you can live this quiet life, this good life, so that people can be saved. Well, how does a tranquil and quiet life result in people being saved? How does prayer result in being people being saved, coming to the knowledge of the truth? And it's because we're praying for our leaders, I think, first of all, that they would come to know Christ themselves, and also so that when they, we pray for them to be wise and lead us into the quiet, tranquil life, then we can be more of who we need to be to reach out to others. The end result that is desired is that people will be saved. So when you come to this command, first of all, I urge you that you pray and you give thanksgiving. You've got to keep in mind the end result is people need to be saved. So what am I going to be praying for? How am I going to be praying? This affects what I am saying, what I am petitioning to God. And then when the peaceful, quiet life comes, that affects how I use that peaceful, quiet life. If we're praying that, we're, that we can have a, God help our leaders so that we can have a peaceful and tranquil and quiet life so that I can spend personal time at home alone with my device or watching my TV or playing with my latest gadget or whatever, then we've gone astray. The tranquil, quiet life is not for us to enjoy a worldly life. That's not what it's about. The end result should be that we are desiring for all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. This prayer that's being urged here, back to the outline here, after talking about these, these four verses, this type of prayer demands that we love the lost and not be condescending. So first of all, we've got to love the lost. God loves the lost. He desires for all men to be saved. We come around this table every week and we remember how much Christ loves us. And this, this table that we remember, we proclaim the death of Christ, it is showing how much Christ not only loves us, but he loves the whole world. And we're reminded of that. And so when we come to prayer, we need to remember the same thing. Christ loves the whole world. So much that he gave his life. That's how much he loves. This prayer demands as we think about the lost, as we think about all men being saved, we have to love the lost. So we have to pronounce, instead of cursings, we have to pronounce blessings. So when you think about praying for 
our leaders. I said I'd get back to this. Praying for our leaders when when the person who is first and foremost in Washington is not the person that you picked. Don't pray, Lord God, I hope, what did I put here? May that heathen person be struck down. I can't wait until they get off out of office. God, get them out of there. That's not love. It's not praying for them. Loving that person would be praying for them to know Christ, to have the wisdom of Christ. Praying for that person would be caring for that person as one who God loves. We don't know that person, uh, who's in, and whether it's now or any time, we tend to not know those people. There's some person who is far removed from us, and we tend to think of them as not even really somebody who is loved by God. We need to change our attitude. For me, the easiest way to understand what I'm trying to convey is when I think about the person in the other car who cuts me off or who does something stupid and endangers somebody. And I want to look at them and say, I hope this happens, something bad happens to you. No, that's a person who is loved by God. Don't curse one who is loved by God. Don't curse men. You can't curse men with this tongue and then go and bless God. That doesn't work. It's not real. You can't do that. Don't curse the, the man who is residing in the Oval Office. You can't curse that man and then come, to, come here on Sunday and try to bless God. It doesn't work. You have to love people. It's just the same way how do we view others. As we're driving down the street or walking down the street and somebody is walking towards us, we can have that tendency to pronounce some kind of judgment on them just because of the way they look, the way they dress, the way they talk, the color of their skin, whatever it might be. We can't do that. We can't look at the appearance. That's what man does, but we've got to have the heart of God and look at that person as a soul created by God who is loved by God. So as we enter into prayer for people, we're reminded that we're praying for ones whom God loves. We must have the love that God has for that person. We've got to have that same love. That's a challenge. Especially if we're, so, you know, in politics is so much now that you've got one side or the other side. Man, you got to, you can't. You can't love everybody, you know, can't love that person over there or over there. They're the enemy. No, Jesus says, well, maybe you can say, yeah, yeah, they are the enemy. And Jesus says, love your enemies. And so I love them. Even if I disagree, I love them. And really, they're not my enemy. The enemy is Satan and his forces. Forces of darkness that work all around us and try to separate us and try and keep people from the love of Christ. So I urge you then to pray for people. Pray for them with love and give thanks for them. Find the good in people. 
Even if you disagree with them, look for the good in people. This applies, you know, if uh, uh, for us who are men, this is, this is more applicable. But, but when we see a woman and she is pretty and attractive, we don't look at her with lust. We look at her with love. Because she is a person, a, someone who is loved dearly by God. Don't turn her into an object. She is a soul. See her soul. See her as Christ sees her. I've always, I had heard at some point in time that, hey, men, if you see an attractive person, you've got to bounce your eyes. Bounce your eyes away from her. Don't look at her to lust after her. And I, I get that. But what really needs to change is your heart. And the way you change your heart is to have the love of Christ within you that when you look at people, whether it's the person who cut you off in traffic or the person who just, uh, who just bumped into you when you're walking down the street or the attractive woman, whatever it is, don't look at that person with hate or lust or whatever. Look at that person as they are, as one who is loved by God, a soul that God longs for them to be saved. So if we're going to be a people who go out and reach out to the lost and invite people to come to Christ and we start filling up this church, we have to change and make sure, first of all, that we are seeing people as God sees people because God loves everybody and wants them saved and we must have that attitude. When we have that attitude, we will grow. The lost will come to Jesus. So, no condescending prayers, but prayers that are filled with love for all who are in authority. Love them, have the right attitude. Thanksgiving is the right attitude towards leaders. And thanksgiving is the right attitude towards God. So give thanks for the leaders even when we disagree with them because God put them there. That's a biblical thought too, isn't it? Give thanks to God that we have leaders. Thanks. Give thanks to God even though we're in a time in our, in our history, in our nation where we feel like we're so divided and things are just teetered on the edge of utter chaos. Oh, it's, we go out and we live our lives every day, don't we? Just as we always have. Maybe we do things a little different here and there. But for the most part, God has blessed us in the United States with tranquil and quiet lives. Thank God for your leaders, that they are there and that we are leading tranquil and quiet lives. So most of these points, as you look to the bottom, how, we sh- how should we pray then? Just to, to, to put a couple of items in here to make sure that we've got everything down and understand everything how should we pray number one pray with love from a pure heart and good conscience and a sincere faith first timothy chapter one verse five that's what we're instructed to do the goal of the instruction is this here is why paul is writing to timothy this he wants this this is the end game here is the goal is love the goal is love So let us love. When we pray, let us be filled with love. That's how we should pray. Number two, give thanks for those in authority. That's pretty clear in uh, the instructions that are given. 
Give thanks for them. Pray for them with love. Give thanks for them. Give thanks to God. Find something in particular that they're doing. Look for the good in what the the leader, your boss, or whoever it is, find something the good that they're doing and tell God thanks for that. Number three, pray that all in authority will know Jesus and be saved. And I... At times I look at this and I try and figure out what are all the connections here with these thoughts. Pray with all these in authority so that we can have tranquil, quiet lives because God loves everybody and wants them to be saved. It's kind of like putting all those thoughts together and I think, well, he's telling us to pray for them specifically so that their soul can be saved for all eternity. I think it's more than that, but I think this is implicit in this, in this message in chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, that we pray that those in authority will come to know Christ. There was a time that Paul stood before King Agrippa, I believe, the, 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 the Jewish king. And King Agrippa replied to him, this might be like Acts, oh, I don't know where it's at. It's in there. He says, King Agrippa, you think you can make me, convert me into a Christian, convince me to become a Christian so quickly? And Paul says, I, I wish that not only you, but all who are present here would come to know Christ. I want you all to be saved. And these are people, he's imprisoned. These are people who are keeping him imprisoned. They're over him. They're the authorities over him who are suppressing him. He can't go anywhere. He's stuck. He says, I want all of you to know Jesus. Man, I think we should pray. First of all, then, as we go through this year, let's pray for all those in authority. From the president all the way down to uh, the Cub Scout leader. I don't care. Pray for them that they would know Christ. Number four, pray that those in authority will make decisions that allow for a tranquil and quiet life. This is what God wants. He made that clear in verse, verse number two. Let's pray that we can have a tranquil and quiet life. So God help these leaders, the decisions they're making, help them be the right decision so that this can happen. Pray that we can have tranquil and quiet lives. So we can live in all godliness and dignity. And number five, pray that we will use the tranquil and quiet life to teach others the truth about Jesus. God wants everybody to know Jesus. It's one thing we know for sure. It's clear. Verse 3, This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires all men to be saved and to, to come to the knowledge of the truth. All men. He loves them all. He loves us all. He wants everyone to be saved. So pray for that quiet life and pray that we will use that quiet, tranquil life so that we can reach out to others. Not so that we can have more recreation time. 
Let us pray that we will engage in the good fight, that we will live by faith. So I challenge you to build this habit, this this command of praying for all who are in authority. It's explicit right here. It's not something that's mentioned in a bunch of other places, but the urgency is there for this. Paul says, pray for all who are in authority. So I encourage you to make this a habit. It tends to be that every once in a while when we gather together in, and this is, I'm speaking for myself, every once in a while when we're in our assemblies, we'll mention it. But for me, when I go home and I'm praying to God, I'm praying to God about things I care about. I don't very often pray for my leaders. And I need to do that more. First of all, then, I urge you to pray for your leaders. Pray for all who are in authority. Do this. I challenge you to do this. God's desire is for all men to be saved. And this is prayers that are building up towards that. He wants all to be saved. But also today I extend an an invitation. We're about to sing this song that invites you to come and be be washed in the blood. What a wonderful, beautiful thought. To be washed and cleansed. It's not a very but pretty picture as we think about being washed in blood. But when you think about the beautiful sacrifice that was given for us. Tragic and awful but beautiful because we can be saved by the blood of Christ. All of us. God wants you, God wants everyone to be saved. And I encourage you, if you need to be saved by Christ Jesus, give your life to Him. Come acknowledging Him, knowing that He is the only way for you to be saved. Come to Him. Then begin loving the lost, praying for the lost, and teaching the lost. You'll be on a mission. No greater mission can you be a part of in the new year than living for Christ. If you need to come, won't you please come today as we stand together and sing.